This is the last message in the series that I've been doing called A Life Written in Red. And I've been posing a question each week, and it's this. Who are you listening to? Because who we listen to tends to lead us to become who we become. And there's someone we should be listening to, and it's Jesus. And we know that his words are written in red in many, uh, many versions of the Bible. And it's so important for us to listen to what he has to say to us and to take it to heart. And when we do, it changes our behavior where we become like him. In other words, his words are written all over us. So whose words are written all over you? Who are you listening to, and is it Jesus? Today, we're going to be learning about someone that Jesus sent to us to help us hear from him. It's the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is no longer here on planet Earth, that he is with the Father in heaven, but he sent his Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us to provide direction for us so that we would know how it is that we're to live. So we're gonna learn about the Holy Spirit and his role in our life today and how he can change things for us as we become more like Christ. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. We find it in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. It says this, if you love me, keep my commands. Then he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. And he is here to be our advocate, to be our helper, to be our guide. I love how he started this passage of scripture. He said, if you love me, do what I command. And that's what we've been learning about in this series, what his commands are, that he commanded us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he commanded us to love people. So if we are like Jesus, then we put God first. He's above everything else. He is most important to us. He is our passion and our desire. And we love who God loves and God loves people. In other words, we treat people around us with love. Then he says this, I'm gonna send you an advocate. Why? To help us follow the commands. He is here to help us show love. The Holy Spirit is here to help us know when we're loving God more than all else, and he's here to help us know if we're loving people the way we should be loving people. He is our guide. We need the Holy Spirit in our life, and the reason why we need the Holy Spirit is because not everybody in our world loves other people. There are people who hate instead of love. And that's number one on your outline sheet. Let's take a look at it. We need a guide to help us face hatred in our world. Not everybody in our world loves other people and puts them first. There are some people who are not loving. And those people who are not loving want to silence those people who are loving. They wanna silence those people who represent Christ and who Jesus is all about. In fact, Jesus wanted the people to know that this was happening in the world, that there is this hatred in this world, and there is this conflict that's taking place. We read about that in John chapter 15. Listen to what Jesus had to say. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, 
they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus was helping us understand something. Let's write it down. We're in a battle. He reminds us that we are in a battle, that there are two sides. There are people who live for the world and the father of this world, and there are people who live for God, the one who is the father of truth and love. And there's a difference between these two groups of people. We know that people of the world are people who are selfish in nature. In other words, it's all about me. I'm number one, and I look out for number one. And that's what the world teaches us to do. Again, it's very self-centered in nature. But if we follow God's plan, it's very selfless in nature that we put other people before ourselves, that it's okay for other people to be better than us or to get more than us. We just want the best for other people. Y'all, these are two totally different types of life and they come against each other. And both sides of life believe that their way of living is the right way of living. But we need to know the truth. We've learned about love and hatred in this series. In fact, I gave you some definitions of the two words. I wanna remind you about love. What is love? Love is to do what is needed for the good of others. So I show love when I'm doing things that are beneficial to other people that are helping them be better or to help meet the need of someone else. And here's the cool thing. When I show love to someone else, if I do something good for other people, it causes them to feel valued. It causes them to feel of worth. It causes them to feel important, that they're worth my time, that they're worth my energy, that they're worth my money, that they're worth even my discomfort so that their lives can be better. They're worth my sacrifice. And when someone feels that, they really feel a sense of love. But not everyone treats people this way. Some people don't do these things for other people because they are so consumed with themselves. Here's the deal. For them to be where they want to be and to look out for number one and be better than everyone else, that means that they have to knock other people down in order for them to elevate themselves. And for them to knock other people down is a form of hatred. In fact, that's what we learned about hate, that hate is to devalue others. That for me to maintain my place or for me to get what I want, then I have to reduce who you are and devalue who you are so I can feel more valuable myself. We do things to hurt people instead of helping people. This comes out of a hateful, a hateful heart. Again, these two things are very contrary to each other. They come against each other. We need to know the truth, and God's given us his spirit to help us know it. On your outline sheet, write it down. He helps us know the truth. He helps us know the truth. In fact, he is referred to as the spirit of truth. We know that there are two different forces at work. In fact, this is a great ending to this series because it's reminding us about some things that we learned previously in the series. We learned that the people of the world have a father, the father of the world, the devil. And we see what the devil is all about. He's not about the truth. What is he about? 
Remember what Jesus said. We find it in John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer. In other words, he hurt people from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He lies to us and wants to confuse us. To confuse us about what? He's trying to confuse us about what we really want. Let me say that again. He's lying to us to confuse us about what we really want. What do we really want? He wants us to believe that what we really want is happiness. We learn about it so many times here. It's that pursuit of happiness. And what we've learned about happiness is happiness is temporary in nature, that, it, that you can experience happiness for a while, but it goes away, and then you have to find something again to make you happy again. And we look for many things of the world, because this is a worldly concept, we look at things of the world to make us happy. We look at pleasure to make us happy. It can be sexual pleasure. It can be some other type of euphoria that we experience through substance issues or whatever it may be. We experience, we experience happiness through our power, our, our authority over other people. We have control over other people and it makes us happy that, that we have power over others. It might be fame, that we're more popular than other people. We've got more likes or more people following us, or we're known more than other people. Or it might be beauty, that we're prettier or more handsome than other people, that we're better than them. I mean, I want you to think about what has to happen in our world to maintain those things. For me to experience pleasure, physical pleasure, let's say sexual pleasure, I have to use somebody else's body for my benefit. I have to literally use them or hurt them to make me feel better. Or I have to use what somebody else has to give me what I want in order for me to feel better about my life. I have to, again, devalue other people in authority. I've gotta make them look bad and hurt them so that I can be seen as better than other people. Life becomes one big game. It becomes a comparison game. I always have to be better than everybody else. I always compare myself to everybody else. Do I have more popularity? Do I have more beauty? Do I have more this? Do I have more that? And to do that, I must devalue someone else to maintain it. And what did we just learn that is? It's a form of hatred. Y'all, isn't this heavy? I mean, I don't like to think of it that way, do you? But to do anything that's hurtful or harmful to someone else is not love. And if it's not love, it has to be the opposite. And it's Jesus that's talking about this hatred being in existence in our world. That's what we're facing. And that's what we're coming against the father of truth wants us to know what we really want. We don't really want happiness. What we really want is what we learned about last week. What we really want is joy. 
We want to feel like our lives matter. In fact, Jesus came to be an example of that, and we read the scripture last week about it. We find it in John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy, this is Jesus talking, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And we learned how we experience complete joy. I feel joy when I feel loved. Someone sacrifices for me and does things for me even though I don't deserve it. I feel important. I feel like I matter. I feel joy when I experience that type of love. I feel good about myself. Second thing is this, when I show love to other people, when I do things and make sacrifices for other people who don't deserve it, I experience joy because God created me to serve other people and do things for other people to help change their life. I'm living up to who I was created to be. I experience joy. It's life-changing for people. And I experience joy when other people receive what I've done for them and they become better and they are successful, even if they're more successful than me. I experience joy because I see the power that God can have in people's lives and how he can change people. If you're excited about that, say amen. Aren't you glad that God can change people? That's complete joy. That's what life's supposed to be about. But the world says, no, the world is about inclusiveness and acceptance. That we have to include or accept people who do things that they like doing that make them feel good about themselves, even though if it's hurtful to themselves or someone else. We have to accept that. We have to include them and be okay with that in the name of political correctness or whatever it may be. We have to accept people if it feels good for them. We should just let them do it and be good with it. That's what the world says. But what if what they're trying to get from those things is not what they're really looking for? What if nobody told them that what you're trying to get from those things is happiness that's gonna end, that you're gonna to have to try to get something else from over and over again. And what if no one ever told them the truth about what really causes us to feel value in our life? And it's the love that comes that God gives to us, even though we're imperfect. Isn't it amazing how the world has been successful at silencing Christians in the name of inclusion and acceptance? When we have the answer that those people who are on their mantra saying you need to accept whoever I am, we're the ones who have the answer to tell them what they really need. Yo, here's the thing about Christians. We're not here who we're supposed to be as Christians. We're not here to bash other people and make people miserable. We're trying to help them find what they've been looking for. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do it. He gives us the power to do it when we keep our attention on him. Y'all, this stuff will preach. Number two on your outline sheet. The guide will help people come to know the truth about Jesus. These people who are living for worldly things don't know the truth about Jesus. They don't know the truth about God. Jesus just made that statement. They don't listen to me because they don't belong to my father. 
They need the answer, and the answer comes through Christ. Listen to what he said in John 15, 26. When the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In other words, the Holy Spirit's gonna help us see the truth about Jesus. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. What does he testify what does the Holy Spirit help us do? What does the Spirit, Holy Spirit help us have? I love this. Paul talked about the Holy Spirit and the, who the Holy Spirit is to us as believers. He wrote this to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said this, the person with the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not sub subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Listen to this, I love it. But we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is that part of us that leads us to think the exact same way Jesus thinks so that we behave the exact same way that Jesus behaved. That's the Holy Spirit. That's those thoughts that are being put in our mind about what we are to do that is right, the feelings that we have about what is right and wrong. That's the Holy Spirit leading us to be like Jesus. He keeps us on course so that we behave like him. I want you to think about it uh, this way. I want you to think about it like a compass. Uh, I use compasses on many things. Many of y'all know I'm a sailor. Their compasses are big on sailboats so that we know which direction is. I brought with me a compass today. It's a really cool compass because this is one that's used for a lot of different things, but hikers use this. It's got a lot of extra resources on this side of it that I have no idea what it means. But anyway, it looks cool, all right? What I do know is this thing in the middle, because this is what's on my sailboat, our, our sailboats that I've had before. It tells us where true north is, and it tells us north, south, east, and west. has all the numbers about which direction you're going. For example, true north is, I'm using my compass, is that direction, okay? That seems right, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. True north is that direction. So we use a compass to take us where it is that we want to go. So I want you to think about God being true north. All right, we wanna be at the place where God is in our lives. In other words, we wanna be at the place in our lives where we're behaving like God wants us to behave. So how do we know what that looks like? Well, Jesus came to be the example of what that looks like, right? So Jesus really is our example of true north. So everything that the Holy Spirit does is he leads me in the direction to experience Jesus. Now it says this, that the Spirit helps us in all things, in all judgments, in all decisions. Well, it, it begins actually with even coming to know Jesus, that he's real and that we need him in our lives that the Holy Spirit is involved in helping us see the truth about Jesus. So let's write some things down on our outline sheet. First thing that we see, he tells us the truth about who Jesus is. He confirms the reality of Jesus, that there is a man named Jesus and that we need this man named Jesus. Now, there are different things that we use to come to this conclusion. One of the things is just our rational thinking of what we know as facts 
about Jesus. In fact, we can write this down related to this. We hear the evidence about the reality of his life. And we hear the evidence about the reality of him through the Bible. The Bible tells us about Jesus. But here's, I mentioned this before. Y'all, the Bible is not the only book that talks about Jesus. There are other historical documents that talk about the existence of Jesus and the fact that he was put to death on a cross besides the Bible. That's the reason why there are so many other religions that say that Jesus existed and that he was a good teacher or prophet or whatever they say about him because they can't deny his existence. So actually, this is a pretty easy one for us that we hear about Jesus and the evidence points to the fact that Jesus is real, but his spirit confirms it within us as well. Yes, what I hear about Jesus as an existence, yes, he does truly exist. But do I need him? That leads to the next statement about this. We see the evidence of how he changed the lives of others. Now, how do I know that Jesus is someone who's going to change my life and someone that I really need in my life? I can see the stories of the people in the Bible who were changed because of Jesus, but let's get even more personal. I can think about the people that I know personally who lived a worldly life, living for pleasure or whatever, temporary things, living for happiness, and were miserable, and then had an encounter with Jesus, asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins through what he did on the cross, and made the commitment to live the lifestyle of Jesus, and see the radical difference between who they were before Jesus and who they are now. So I see the evidence of who this person has become and the Holy Spirit works in me in that and it confirms in me who Jesus says he is is real. I see the evidence of it that's happened in this person's life, but if Jesus can do that for him or her, he can do it for me too. Y'all, I'm about to get excited about this, right? He can do it for me too. The Holy Spirit gives me hope of the reality of a savior. The Holy Spirit helps me understand, yes, the crucifixion was real. The facts even point to that. But the Holy Spirit confirms in me that Jesus did what he did on the cross to forgive me even though I don't deserve it so that I can be a part of the kingdom of God. Here's the deal. Y'all, this is so frustrating. Sometimes I think I'm a, a, a a good teacher or a good speaker or eloquent with what I say and I could manipulate you or do this with you or whatever because of the ability that I have to communicate. Here's the thing that I know. I can't talk anybody into becoming a Christian because I've tried it so many times before and people have said no. If you said yes to Jesus, there's only one reason why. Because the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you knew it was truth and you knew that you needed him. Y'all, a miracle took place in your life. That's what happened for you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit's at work in our coming to Jesus. Okay, now that I'm a Christian, what does the Holy Spirit do? Remember, he's involved in all judgments, in all situations. Well, now the situation's different. I'm a Christian. Well, the Holy Spirit goes to work. Let's write a statement down. We see the evidence, uh, excuse me, he tells us the truth about who we are. He convicts us. He helps us see who we are in our behaviors, and helps us to see if we are like Jesus. And if I'm not like Jesus, 
I look at what Jesus did and I compare myself to him and I'm not measuring, him, measuring up, I feel conviction. In other words, I feel a sense of remorse because of what I've done or I feel a sense of guilt because of the way I've behaved. That's conviction in my life. So that's what he does. Now, what, what are we supposed to do? We understand what Jesus did, right? Jesus came to love God and to love people. I've already talked about that. Remember he said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. And he said, I'm gonna give you this Holy Spirit to help you do it. So I need to think about those two things then. If I feel conviction, why do I feel conviction? Is it because I'm not following the direction of the Holy Spirit to go and remain in my true north where God is to behave like he wants me to, to be like Jesus. Instead, I've put something else in front of God and I'm going in a different direction away from God. In other words, I have more of a passion and a desire for something of the world other than God. You know, there's magnets and stuff that I don't, don't, don't understand all of it, but you know, they deal with compasses, but that's kind of the way it happens for us. The things of the world become a magnet to us to draw us away from God, and we put those things before God, and God is no longer our God, something else is. And I start seeing my life. Yeah, I don't feel the same way about my life. I don't feel good about my life. Why not? Because I put something else in front of God. How do I know? I'm spending more time doing those things than I'm spending with God. I'm spending my energies on getting something else of the world rather than advancing what God wants me to advance. I'm using my money to get something that I want instead of investing it in people who are in need. I'm making sure that I'm always feeling comfortable and never do anything that's discomforting to me so that I feel good about myself. We're away from God. So have I put something else in front of God. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll help us see what it is that we've put ahead of God. He'll help us understand through conviction that we've put something or someone ahead of God and we feel the conviction of it. How else do we know? The other thing that, that we're supposed to do is to love God and to love people. Jesus loved people. He did what he did to serve people. So Again, if I feel remorse or I feel conviction, is it because I'm doing things to hurt people instead of help people? Have I put myself before people? Have I, am I living my life as a competition? Am I living my life for the attention or the pleasure or whatever it may be? Am I doing it? And I feel the conviction of these things in my life. Who causes you to feel that guilt and remorse? The Holy Spirit causes you to feel that guilt and remorse. Here's the other really sweet thing about it. There is another part, um, spiritually, emotionally, that God uses to help us in this. If I am right with God, I don't feel remorse and I don't feel guilt. I am at peace with God. Who causes me to feel at peace? The Holy Spirit causes me to feel at peace because there's nothing that needs to be pointed out in my life that is not like Christ. Y'all, this is so good, isn't it not? So now the Holy Spirit's helped me to see where I'm off course, where I've gotten away from my true north and I've started going in a different direction. I need to get back in this direction again. Third thing, okay, on your outline sheet. 
He tells us to whom we are to share the message of Jesus' love. He calls us. Now, listen again to what uh, he said. And I'm going to put this up here. I brought my cup up here. It's my Bubba cup. You like that? We're going to imagine that Bubba needs salvation. All right, so we're going to turn him around. He needs to know that you matter, so he needs a compass. All right? That was cheesy. But there he is. He needs to know that he needs Jesus. And when he comes to know Jesus, he needs to know which direction to go. And when he comes to know Jesus, he needs to know who else needs to know Jesus. That's what this is talking about. I I, I read this to you already in in John 15, 26 and 27. When the advocate comes, uh, whom I will send to you, the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit testifies about me. Then he says this, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. How do we know who to testify to? The Holy Spirit calls us to help us see who it is that needs to hear the message of truth. This is how the Holy Spirit works in us. We see a need in other people. The Holy Spirit helps us see the need. Y'all, there are people that you'll see a need in their life that I will not see because I'm not wired the same way and it's not my calling in my life to engage people in that way. But you're wired in a certain way and you notice things about these people and their need because the Holy Spirit gifted you to see those things about people who are in need. And not only did he gift you to see their need, the Holy Spirit causes you to have compassion for that person and that compassion becomes the motivating force behind your life to act, to do something about it. That is the Holy Spirit's calling in your life. There are people all around us who need Jesus, like Bubba, right? There are people all around us who need Jesus, and we need to be aware of those people. And I love this. The scripture's not on here. I'm not even sure what the reference is, to be honest with you, but I know somewhere in the scripture it says this. When you talk to them, oh, this is really sweet because it's happened to me so many times. The Holy Spirit will give you the words you need to say in that moment to talk to them about Jesus. Isn't that great? because they need to hear from us. So, oh, this is awesome. This is just so great, Bubba. There you go. The Holy Spirit is guiding me toward people. I'm not coming after you, I promise, but I'm looking at you. (laughs) Guiding me toward people who need the message of God's love. He's constantly guiding me to people to hear the message of God's love, to point them to true north. Oh, this is good. All right, next thing. Number three on your outline sheet. Here we go. The guide will help us know how to behave. I shared with you last week about our bearing fruit, and this was on the outline sheet. I told you I would talk about it this week, and here it is. We are to bear fruit for Christ. In fact, one of the things that the scripture tells us is that our behavior is a way in which we bear fruit. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter five. Some of y'all have heard this before. But the fruit of the spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, right? Same spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is sweet to me. A couple of things I want to point out. 
The first thing has to do with the behaviors. But did you hear how it started? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Let's start there. Love, when I show the love of God to other people and experience the love of God, I experience joy. And when I have joy in my life, I am living the way in which Jesus wants me to live, showing his love. And when I'm showing that love, I am at peace. And when I am at peace, there's a reason why I'm at peace. It's because I'm doing all of these other things. What are they? I'm kind. Let's write them down. I'm going to go through these quick, all right? We are kind. We treat people the way we want to be treated. That's what Jesus did when he was here on this earth. Second thing, not only are we kind, but we do what is good. He talked about goodness. We do what benefits them so that their needs can be met and so that they can improve, so that they can be better in life. So we are kind, we are good. Third thing, we are faithful. We are reliable and do what we say we will do. We made a commitment, we live up to the commitment. We say we're gonna do something, we do exactly what it is that we said that we were gonna do. Next thing, we are gentle. We speak to people and do things for people that are helpful and not harmful. If I do something that is harmful, I break their spirit. If I do something that is helpful, I'm gentle to build their spirit. Next thing, we are self-controlled. We don't allow the hurtful behaviors of others to control our reactions. In other words, we already just heard this a little while ago. We're in a battle between good and evil, right? The father of lies and the father of truth, who is God. People of the world and the people who live like Jesus, that's what the battle is all about. We know that people are hateful toward us, but here's my problem. Maybe it's just me, but when people are hateful toward me, I want them to experience pain. Do I have a witness out there from anybody? Everybody? Anybody? There are times that I want them to experience pain. How dare you do that to me? So what I do is I allow their behavior toward me to control my behavior toward them. I respond to them the same way that they did something to me. That is not being self-controlled. How do you control yourself? You think before you do. What do you think? You think, why did they just do what they did to me? I'll tell you why. Y'all, this will preach too. They're not heading toward true north. Because if they were heading true north, they would have been kind to me. They would have been good to me. They would have been faithful to me. They would have been gentle to me. They would have done all these things to me. But they're not heading toward true north. So then what is the issue? The issue is this. They did that because they have a heart problem. And I'm not going to respond to them in that way because the, I have put to death I have crucified those passions and desires of the world when I gave my life to Jesus. So I can be kind in the face of hatred. I can do good in the face of non-goodness. I can be faithful in the face of unfaithfulness. We can do all of these things but we have to think about them first. Y'all, this last point on your outline sheet, it's just a recap of what we've learned, all right? Let's, let's, let's take a look at it. Again, it gets back to the compass. 
Our guide points the way. What is the way? Let's go ahead and fill it in. God's love is our true north. That's where we want to be. We want to be at the place where we're expressing God's love to other people. How do we know whether we're there? Our spiritual emotions tell us when we're on or off course. In other words, I have joy and I have peace when I'm on course. But I experience conviction in my life with remorse and guilt when I'm off course. So what am I to do with my life? Next thing, our behaviors tell us if we are on or off course. Am I like Jesus? Am I kind? Am I good? Am I all of these things? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. It may be that you're not a Christian and that you've been living for the things of this world. You've been, you've bought into a lie that life's about happiness and it's not. Because you'll get it and then it goes and then you're trying to find it again through something else or more of what you had before. Maybe you've gotten to the point now where you realize I need Jesus and maybe it's because you've known people who are like you that were living for the same things that you were living for and were unhappy and they had an encounter with Christ and you see the change that's happened in their life because of what Jesus did. Here's the, here's the amazing thing. He can do that for you too. When we find the truth that life is not about happiness, it's about experiencing God's love, which brings joy. He loved you enough to send Jesus to this earth to show us what a loving life looks like and to give his life upon the cross to die for our sins that we deserve to die for so that we can be forgiven. That's what he did for us. And we accept what he did for us just through prayer. The Bible tells us if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. So I want to help you right now, if you're not a Christian, to make the most important decision you could ever make to receive what Christ did for you. Now, if you're wanting to do that right now, you're not doing it because I'm asking you to do it. You're doing it because the Holy Spirit's helping you understand you need to do it. Because I can't convince you of anything. But if you know you need Jesus, I would say right now, respond to him through prayer. I want you to imagine right now, God sitting on his throne, and I want to ask you to, to pray this prayer to him, just silently. Just pray this, dear God, I know you love me and I don't deserve it. And I know you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. A death that I deserve for myself. I thank you that you love me and want me. I accept what you did for me, Jesus, on the cross and through your resurrection right now. I know that I've sinned and I'm sorry. And I commit to follow you as my Lord and as my example from this day forward. Help me to be like you. If you just prayed that, man, with your heart, God hears us and says yes to us. It's the most important decision you could ever make. In just a moment, uh, we're going to hear a song. And uh, we have some of our counselors down in front. They'd love to talk with you. We have counselors back in the back in the corner. We have our Journey Begins banners back there, some high tops. 
someone back there who'd love to talk with you, encourage you. We would just love to help you in this decision. In fact, if you just prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to come and just let them know, I asked Jesus into my heart today because we would love to pray for you and to celebrate with you the most important decision that you've ever made in your life. It may be that you're a Christian and that at one time you were going true north, but you've gotten off and something else has become more important to you than God and it's been revealed because your behaviors aren't godly and the Holy Spirit is convicting you about it right now and you know it. I just want to encourage you to pray about it wherever you are. If you need somebody to pray with you about it, I mean, we're up here and they'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you just want to be where you are. I would just confess to God. God, you're right. I'm not loving you like I should and I'm sorry. And to commit yourself to true north again, to commit yourself to follow him. It may be that you just have some other type of need and we'd love to pray for you with whatever, for whatever need that might be. We're here to help you. This last song that we're going to hear is about the Holy Spirit and his power in our life. So I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. You come as God leads you.
singing till the day you lead me home. Church, will you sing this with me? Come on. One, two, three. You're the light and you're my Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. It's great to be here. We hope to see you this afternoon at Beach Baptism. God bless you, and we'll see you next weekend.